DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. PK. What? I got a surprise for you. What is it? I brought in a real live Ute fan to talk oh, to you. Come on. <laughs> come on. You're welcome, nice. You're welcome PK. You're <laughs> that's, welcome. That's what we're going to do. Wow. Wow, man. Jeez, Shots I, fired right off the bat. From you, too. I expect that from Patrick, but but from you. Every once in a while, you got to throw a curveball. You got to mix it up. That's all right. Come I, on. I can people driving up and down I-15 want to be entertained. You threw chin music right there. I that did. I did. That was a little brush back. <laughs> By the way, chin Don't music. Don't crowd the plate. What a great saying, chin music. <laughs> Baseball's full of those, right? Great sayings. Anyway, it's good to, good to see you, David. Good to talk to you, Patrick. How are things? Well, oh, man. It, things things are going great in my life. Yeah. If, <laughs> if things were growing great in PK's life, you wouldn't have to be here to fill in for yeah, him while I he know. ran off to take care of other responsibilities. I know. I know. But I'm, I'm happy to do it. Pat, you sat in for me, uh, what, uh, Wednesday? Because I, I actually heard the whole show because I was, I was driving uh, back up the state. And uh, I appreciate it. Four freaking hours of Gordon, man. It's rough, isn't it? <laughs> Seriously, I was in my car listening. And at one point, he asked PK. They were talking about college football. But then it veered from how college football is impacted by you know all the health concerns around COVID uh-huh. to more COVID specific stuff. Uh-huh. And when Gordon asked PK about NFL coaches and their masks, I thought PK was going to go through the radio <laughs> at him. I could just hear PK's will to live. Just uh, yeah, it, well, it's it's probably for health and for image, Gordon. So it's probably both. <laughs> yeah, it's Gordon. Gordon's had a perspective on this thing, though. I'll give him credit. He's he's uh, you know. He's brought one side of the, the table, or one side to the table. I, I actually read a story about that the other day, that they're, for all the testing they're doing and how good it is, there's this built-in number that they know are false positives and false negatives. But I just think they don't want to go to the step of, like, every player has a mask taped to the table and has to go put it on when they come back to the sideline. Yeah. Because that's kind of the flaw in the thing, if you're really just going straight 100% health. Yeah. Whatever. And, and anyway, let's let's get to the story of the day. College football, baby. Now we got all these Ute fans here. More than ever. Yeah, more than ever. Ute fans lining up. Uh, Jordan, uh, November football. Well, better than nothing. Jalen, big boy football is back in the state of Utah, and it feels so good. Uh-huh. Is that a peaches and herb song? A little bit, yeah. And Rhino <laughs> says, well, it's going to have to be good. It should have started a week earlier, and they should have got one more game in. But it is football, so... That's a win right there. So there's a few of them. So uh, when you talk to your buddies, you're a cl- little closer to the college age than us, Jake. What are they telling you? Well, are I'm, they saying I'm not stuff that that's close gonna... anymore. <laughs> I know, no, I know you're not, but you're still closer. You know. Um, here's the thing, and, and uh, I, this is how I've been phrasing it with Gordon. Because if if we get caught up in the in the masks and the the distance and then this and then that, it, you just go in circles and you you, you divide your audience. And here's here's what's funny about the the Ute fan shots at at BYU fan because I I heard you guys yeah. uh, reading some of those earlier in the in the seven o'clock hour. Man, let's just be happy they're playing. Great. I I told I told Gordon because Gordon's big thing has been this um, you know the daily testing, and I said great Gordon they they've reached your standard. To give the green light, terrific. They've reached their own standard to give the green light, terrific. It it seems a little late, and they've shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, but whatever. November, we're going to be watching Pac-12 football. We're going to be watching BYU football this weekend. We're going to be watching Utah State football October. Uh, well, there was some controversy over this this morning. What uh, October twenty fourth? Twenty fourth. Twenty four. Yeah. Uh, I, um, 
taking a little jab. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. sorry, my bad. He was <laughs> tired. He was uh, tired. It was five fifteen in the morning. I don't know how he functions. I, I produced the morning show for two years, and it's it's rough. Two hilarious uh, years, I might add. Very hilarious years. Yeah, you guys, you guys got, you got to a, see me in my you element. Got a bird nest on top of your head. What's oh, going on? There, there were some rough mornings. Some. <laughs> oh man, I had some rough mornings. Uh, there's no doubt. But hey, we're going to be seeing it. Awesome. I'm glad. Uh, I, I want to watch college football. Uh, I think they're going, especially in the Pac-12, to great, great, great lengths to mitigate risk. And uh, I think that's a good thing. So that's that's it. We can get caught up in the details and the, the craziness of 2020, or we can just be excited that uh, college players are going to have opportunity to play the game they love, and we're going to have fun watching it. I agree completely. I, I couldn't said it better, man, as that's something that is – we it's part of our enjoyment it's part of who we are all three of all four of us right now we just love it and our listeners i think a large portion of them love it and it's going to be back and it's good for the kids man we saw what was it a couple weeks ago all the sc guys slovis and his teammates were taking to twitter and basically begging larry scott to play and uh, i know hatches station down in Phoenix last night at 7 o'clock. They had a one-hour thing where they brought on Herm Edwards, they brought on Jane Daniels, they brought on the coordinators, and they just celebrated. Yeah. And they had live radio at 7 o'clock at night from 7 to 8. They had live radio, and they just talked about coming back. I didn't listen to it, but I saw some stuff on Twitter, and you could you could feel the excitement. How's that not good news? And we're going to quibble over one more game? Because it's not like they were going to start next week or the week after. It was going to be at some point in the relatively distant future, you know, speaking, as I say, relatively. So if they play eight games, that was going to solve everything. Everything would be better. Take it for what it's worth. And if they pull it off, then they're going to look great. If they play all seven games and there's no hitches along the way, who's going to criticize them then? Now, we'll criticize them all because their best team went 6-1 and one or what have you, and they didn't get in again. I get all that. But it's, they, the conference can't really control what happens out on the field, although they've tried to a couple of times with the refereeing. Hey-oh! Uh, never, <laughs> never, <laughs> but we got Merton now. I heard you guys talking about that, yeah, too. Yeah, we're totally right. chicken. Solved. Oh, DJ All those problems are going to be solved. Absolutely. They've solved everything, man. <laughs> and then when they move to Bakersfield and get cheaper rent, they'll be good to go. <laughs> Bakersfield. <laughs> you go in there, go to Taft. It's even cheaper. So we're good. No, no, Mer- I've been Mertens to Taft. aboard, and it's 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 all set. No more uh, no more intentional refereeing to fix the outcome. Thank goodness. Pause while everyone ponders that. Mm, probably not. Hopefully not. Yeah, <laughs> and think about what conversation PK's joke interrupted there with the refereeing. I'm like, wait, where were we going? <laughs> <laughs> but, How about this though, guys? If they pull it off, seven weeks of unencumbered ball. Won't they be looked at upon as that was something positive? Yes. Yeah, that will be a positive. And I saw plenty of that from the national guys last night with people railing on the conferences. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but they were tweeting back at them. Guys, we don't actually know how many games anybody's going to play. You know, there are teams right. that have played so far and have played their reconfigured schedule as it was scheduled. And then you got Houston, who just can't get on the field no matter what. Literally everybody they're playing is having problems. And they're getting games canceled every week. So you don't really know. I mean, right now, but at the end, is one SEC team going to play seven and another nine and a few others ten? Yeah. Well, who cares? 
Really, who cares? Just do what you can. Well, if it's not your team. Well, this You're is right. this is. I feel bad for the Houston Cougar players. I, I mean, I do. They're they're the yeah. ones getting the 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 short end of the stick, and that stinks. But it, even this, um, I disagreed with Gordon on this too. Even this can be looked at as a positive. I mean, if you're canceling games, it means a couple of things. It means one, your mitigation efforts are working because you're discovering cases, yeah. and it means two that these universities are doing the right thing. They're saying, hey, uh, I I don't think. You know, this is going to be a really good thing if we go play a football game because we've got uh, we've got some issues that uh, yeah. that we've got to figure out. So let's postpone, cancel, whatever. It's it beats the alternative of well, our mitigation efforts worked and we've got some positive cases, but uh, you guys just sprained your ankle, wink, wink, and we're getting on the plane to go to Houston. You know, I, and that would maybe be, that would be two faced. Maybe we're giving universities cre- credit. Maybe it's not a, a like low, a, it's a low bar. You're asking, yes, you're, it's, it's a, a low, low bar. bar. Yeah, right. you're to do the right thing. It's it's a low bar, but they're doing it. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I don't think that's necessarily a negative. We can we can shame these players for catching the virus like millions of other Americans, or we can say, all right, well, let's figure out how to get the next game in. So if we all get caught up on the numbers of this team played seven and this team played eleven and this no, team must be, I just think be, it'll be it, the disappointment of your team not playing uh, when they don't. One hundred, I get yeah. that. I mean, but, it's the, you know, at the end of the day, if there's an outbreak and you don't have offensive linemen, well, then you shouldn't play the game because your quarterback's going to get all beat up. Right. I was super yeah. bummed about BYU not playing Army. I thought that was going to be a sneaky, interesting game. Yeah. I thought it was going to be sneaky, a, interesting is a way to. Yeah. It was not a game that uh, that. Uh, a year ago when we were looking at the schedule was even on the schedule right. or that we would have wanted to be on the schedule right. or that anyone was talking about how come Tom didn't get this on the schedule but then the way things turned out are like well, I can watch that that could be interesting well BYU mops the floor with Navy, Navy so Army smokes somebody Middle Tennessee it? Middle Tennessee that's right who is haunting us right now right because like how good is Troy because yeah. Troy smoked Middle Tennessee and you remember BYU the players and the and the Navy players after the game chanting beat Army which mm-hmm. was kind of a cool moment and, and I was really looking forward to that football game but stuff happened BYU had to cancel was I disappointed absolutely I was disappointed and am I stoked that they're they're doing what they can to get it together to go play Troy 100% and you know I know uh, I saw what Tristan Hodges dad uh, talk about uh, how he's dealing with some pneumonia and stuff and for uh, for people to be careful yeah. and man best wishes go out to him and and his family and I hope that you know nothing more serious uh, happens to any of these players that happen to uh, to contract it but yeah. but this is the world we're living in I mean this is what we're dealing with and it's not going anywhere and I I think that we collectively as the sports community are doing our best to figure it out let's figure it out let's not get caught yeah. up in number of games let's Let's be excited about the ones that we're able to play. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got Ryan Abraham coming up, uscfootball.com, podcast of champions. He's going to join us at 830. Josh Newman, Utes writer for the Salt Lake Tribune at 9 o'clock. More reaction to the Pac-12 restarting. We're waiting to hear more from the Mountain West. I think we kind of know what the Aggies are going to do. I assume with an eight-game schedule, they're going to play all five games inside the division like they usually do. Press conference at 11 this morning. Yeah, and then the three crossover games, they can just maintain the rotation the league's been working with. Seems like that's pretty normal, uh, pretty natural, what we'll expect in their 11 o'clock press conference. Uh, the order of games, the schedule may not be out till next week. I'm ready for that. I'm thinking crossover game. You ready for this, Jake? All right. Crossover game. Uh, the California schools have great traditions and really want to play each other. Sure. And while I may have mocked them earlier this morning, 
which in fact I did do. Uh, those are cool games, and I expect them to be played. I think UCLA will play Cal in a crossover, and USC will play Stanford. Makes sense. And that means, let's get to what it means here. Now you look at the other potential matchups that are left. I think USC, Oregon, or excuse me, Utah, Oregon. Uh, because it's a rematch of the conference title game. You're looking for games that have a little sizzle. I wouldn't be surprised if ASU plays Washington. Herm Edwards and, you know, Washington's a little bit of a brand, and Herm's got a name. You know, individually, he's a brand, right? He's just been on ESPN so long, everybody knows who right. it is. So I think that's another potential game. And then I think Arizona and Colorado versus uh, Oregon State and Washington State, however you want to do it, and they end up on the Pac-12 network. Well, you can look at this from two different ways. If I'm Kyle Whittingham and I want to have the best record possible, I, I want, I I want Washington play. State. <laughs> Bad. Because half their team left and they've got yeah. a new coach. And, uh, yeah, they are going to be terrible. As, uh, as terrible. Char- as Charles Parker. How about this, though? How about uh, PK's uh, Arizona State to Oregon? Because weren't they the team that beat Oregon last year? See, that is possible. Uh, I think Utah, because it's a rematch of the Pac-12 title right. game. But if I'm wrong and you're right than Utah to Washington. And a Which rematch of a pretty good game last year. They're always good. Utah-Washington yeah. always plays good games. So we'll wait on that. That's what we're waiting there. Yeah. I think we can kind of predict who the Aggies are going to play. Uh, we just don't know what order. And making sure that all the Mountain West teams are playing, but I think they're going to. I think they would have announced if they weren't. I, I would guess. I mean, yeah, I know, but we know the New Mexico governor didn't want it to happen, and we know Hawaii's had a quarantine, but they're changing with the tests on the flights to Hawaii. Did you see that? I did see that. There's, a, there's a lot of pressure in Hawaii. I have family in Hawaii. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in Hawaii to restart tourism, and a 14-day qu- quarantine is not helping the tourist industry. Not good not, for tourism. Not, most people don't have three weeks, oh, I'll go sit in a hotel for two weeks, and we'll have one week of fun. Most people don't have that. I, Nor would like, that be worth it. There's like two retirees who may have decided, sure, why not? What else are we going to do? But, you're going to uh, do a two-week quarantine. You better be staying there for like a month. The one interesting thing on that, did you watch that Zoom call with the conference at 6 o'clock last I was, night? We were on the air, so you, I kept an eye on it, but I was not on it. No. You, you win. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, it was, trust me, I, I it. Was it was rough. If I heard the word robust, what a robust discussion. No one talks like that. Stop it. I'm oh. breaking out in hives. I'm so happy you guys played the clip you did earlier in the show. It with, was rough. Uh, with it was Martin rough. Martin Schill, uh, where he said, uh, we money never even came up, and then he just rattles <laughs> off how bad the money situation is. I was like, okay, dude. So then the money never came up? Because you know all the details. Because <laughs> you, like your PK very said, next sentence It's like was, PK said, they decided that a long time ago. They didn't need to talk about that. We need to play some games. Mark Harlan came on our air and said that the game, a game is worth $5 million well, in TV it, revenue. In TV revenue. Yeah. And his whole department's on furlough. I mean, right now. I know. Currently. I actually, not all of them. Some of them just got let go permanently. Right. Like yes. some, will, some will be coming back. Right. I talked to one at, the, um, at an RSL game, and she works at the U, and she works those games. Well, she doesn't work at the U anymore. She got laid off. Bummer. Yeah, Sucks. she did get another job though, good. so that's good. Yeah, that and good. she was happy about it. It was a job she liked, so yeah. that was good. But she was running through the litany. I've been a little afraid to, you know, call people I know and go, "Hey, does it suck for you?" You know, you don't really want to, no. you know, do that. But it's good to talk to someone and kind of catch up on where everybody's at. Right. So, so yeah, the money's an issue. Yeah. yeah, we all know it. They know it. Yeah, <laughs> five million dollars a game. That's what a TV network will pay, roughly, ballpark. Money is not an issue, but God, are we losing a lot of it? ESPN, <laughs> Fox. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com is coming up next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This 
is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I think if you'd listened to Hans long enough, you had hinted that there was a star player that had dealt with COVID over the summer, and Zach Wilson had admitted that uh, he indeed contracted it a few months ago. Yeah, you know, it's hard. I think I got it from, we had a bunch of the football guys over, and we were just having a little gambling night, you know, having some fun, and, you know, somehow a bunch of us got it. And already people are wondering about what's going on at gambling night. Hey, look, it's Skittles, a little bit of poker. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Calm down. Everybody's doing it. You get the orange Skittles, you get the green, yeah. the purple Skittles. Assigned dollar amounts to each. No money's exchanging hands. Oh, just COVID. Hanson <laughs> <laughs> and Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now in the T-Mobile special guest line by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. All right, so <coughs> Ryan Abraham, my guy. How are you? I'm good. We're back. We are back. back. This is great. But I'm wondering... And I'm really wondering about your fan base because, you know, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of stereotypes and none of them are true, right? Because none of them are completely true because there's a gazillion people in the USC fan base. So no matter what you think, you can find somebody who agrees with you. It's a massive fan base. But in general, are USC fans who live in California are therefore very liberal and want everything shut down until Trump is not elected because the virus is his fault? Are they horrified that football is coming back and they find it dangerous? Or USC, the University of Spoiled Children, has a borderline SEC mentality and wanted to play 12 games all along. They're angry. They're storming the Bastille and coming after Larry Scott with pitchforks because they're furious over a seven-game schedule. Where does the USC fan base fall more in this? I think it's all along the, that, those lines. There's no, really, it's everything's true. Like, everything's on the table. You know, there's fans that are like, I can't believe they're having football. This is just a money grab to how did they wait so long? They should be playing with the Pac-12. There's nowhere you're going to make the playoff. It's just a pretty wide range of emotions, just sort of like in any you know subject about the virus in this country. So I think it kind of goes along those lines. But you also have the Clay Helton faction that <laughs> some of them are just upset that Clay Helton's the head coach. Some of them are upset that it's only seven games. They don't get to play Alabama and Notre Dame, so he won't have these guaranteed losses and uh, you know contribute to his de- you know, ultimate demise and getting rid of him. So there's there's a wide range of emotions. But I think in general, you know, fans are excited that you're going to get some football at least. They they want to see Keaton Slovis. They want to see uh, Talano Funga. They want to see those guys back out there again. And just watching some of those early games, especially when the SEC starts up this weekend. You get that, you know, fear of missing out, the FOMO thing going on. And I, so I think in general, most of the fans are kind of happy, but they all have like their side agendas of why they don't like how it happened and things like that. So realizing this is a complicated question, uh, Ryan, but how do you personally feel about how uh, the Pac-12 has handled this uh, throughout it all? You know, at, initially, I think when you look at what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did, um, I, it made sense to me. I think, you know, we get a lot of criticism, criticism for Larry Scott. But the Pac-12 had the, uh, a, a great message. I thought they communicated it well, much better than the Big Ten. And because of the footprint, it made sense. I think it made sense with the virus, you know, just medically, everything made sense. The problem I have was, you know, from the reporting that I've read, you know, Larry Scott knew about this rapid testing earlier than September 3rd when it was announced, didn't 
uh, you know, disseminate that information to the schools. And at that point, you have to start seeing the tide turning. And there were opportunities to talk to the government in Oregon, the government in California that, hey, we have rapid testing. You let the Rams and the Chargers and the 49ers practice because they're tested every day. We're going to be able to be tested every day. You need to lift some of these restrictions, especially on the cohorts. Where they only allow six to 12 people practicing at a time. And I feel like there was lost time, three, four weeks of an opportunity to go ahead and kind of push this forward where you could have had, if you're going to restart, you could have had more than a seven-game season that's shoehorned into seven weeks. So I feel like leading up to you know when the rapid testing was going to be available, they made the right choices, and I thought they communicated it well. And even yesterday, they communicated it well, but they were scrambling. And really it was because they had their dance partner with the Big Ten, felt comfortable with that, felt comfortable delaying things. And once you start seeing your dance partner start to stray off, I think you had to kind of figure out a way to, to meet up again. And they just weren't doing that. And then you kind of got caught with the pants down, and you got to put this all together and didn't have a vote last week with the president's. So I, I like the way it was handled early, but the last month or so, I think they could have handled it much, be- much better. You could have had a longer season. If you're going to restart, and you want to do it you know, and safely, but you want to do it to give yourself the best chance to compete in the postseason. And right now, the Pac-12 with only seven games and not the greatest reputation. It's, it's good to have football back, but it's not going to be to the levels it could have been if you acted a little bit earlier, in my opinion. It was just one report on the web, but I expect you probably saw it. A lot of people did. Uh, 24-7 Sports, the Bruin page, had a report that the original vote was 7-5, to five, and that USC was talking about going independent, and Utah was talking about going to the Big 12. That sounds like a really ugly, divisive conversation to me. Do you think it actually got b- that bad? Is this reporting way off? Is it completely off? Is it partially off? These are things that people said inside meetings but never actually said to the whole group. What What do you make of that report? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, you know, Talking to sources at USC, it didn't seem like that was going to be uh, the case at all. I and mean, we had Mike Bone on our podcast, oh, man, it was uh, months ago, and he said that all things were going to be on the table. But with the pandemic, I just haven't talked to anyone at USC that felt like going independent right now is the is the best option. I feel like they were working behind the scenes. Uh, Mike Bone yesterday talked about the letter that the USC players sent to the governor and how that's sort of been a catalyst to get things rolling. And he was very proud of that and the way they handled themselves. But I, I feel like the administration was working behind the scenes. I haven't heard anything about uh, going independent. I could see an initial vote be like that. Maybe it was more, less of a vote and more of a, you know, we're leaning this way. Obviously, there's issues at Stanford. You know, issues have popped up at Colorado recently, but that was, uh, you know, last minute sort of thing with the, the county of Boulder. But with the California schools and the Oregon schools not being able to practice, there might be some reluctance there. But, you know, you know, a lot of the schools like Utah was ready to go and, and USC wanted to play. I don't know if it was that, uh, you know, like, clear cut where it was a seven to five vote, but I think there had to be some convincing going on. And I think what won out was the unity being everyone, ever everyone being able to start on the same day. And uh, that worked that way. But I, I think USC could look at that at some point, but I didn't hear anything about recently about threatening to go independent and so they could play some football. Speaking of Mike Bone, that athletic department has been hmm, chaotic over, uh, over the past little while, and he steps in. He, it was kind of a different hire for USC, going uh, not necessarily with a, a big name internally. How has he done so far, even in this unique circumstance? Yeah, I mean, it's been chaotic for the last decade, but mostly because they've hired former football players that right. didn't know what they were doing. Right. So I think 
just hiring someone that's been an athletic director before, it's changed everything. You, you brought someone from outside who knows how things were done. And that's been part of the problem at USC is just for years and for decades, really, they have had their own way and they haven't brought in people from the outside to kind of change that. Um, they just wanted to, they've hired people that were learning how the USC way was as opposed to bringing someone in that knew, know, knows how the outside world works. Mike Bone knows how the outside world works. We'll see how good he's going to be, but I've liked a lot of the moves uh, that he's been able to make. And I think they've, they've righted the ship in a lot of ways, but his hands are tied and, you know, with the, the fans are upset with him because he didn't fire Clay Helton, but you find out that Helton was, you know, signed to this terrible contract extension by Lynn Swan, uh, you know, months before the, the team goes five and seven, everyone wants them fired. So there's, there's been some problems. I think that they, they've hit a lot of singles, maybe some doubles, uh, maybe not this home run uh, yet, but I think they've done a lot of good things, made a lot of good decisions that were, you know, kind of ba- basic decisions that those kind of decisions weren't being made in the athletic department before. So I think it'll take some time, but we've already seen a lot of progress. Uh, you know, he's been there less than a year. Um, and is it so much better than having like a Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan that really didn't know what they were doing? Joined now by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, the podcast of champions. So the only mystery to the schedule with five division games and one crossover is who the crossover is. Uh, I assume UCLA and Cal want to keep that rivalry going, and USC and Stanford, the California schools, love to play each other. It's, it's built into the way they've done scheduling for the last decade. Do you think those two games are going to happen for sure? And if so, does that mean Utah-Oregon? Yeah, I, I don't know anything for sure. I would hate to see Utah and Oregon play. And the, the problem is I think you want, to, you want to try to game the system as much as you can like the SEC did when they added the crossover games. You know, Alabama didn't get Florida from the East, you know, and, and Georgia didn't pick up uh, LSU or anything. So I think you want to avoid the division winners from last year having to play each other. I mean, if you want to try to make the playoffs somehow, you would like teams to be undefeated. So I'd rather Oregon play like in Arizona or something. Um, so I'm not sure if they're going to do it like maybe reverse seeding from last year. The the top, you know, Oregon, the top team would play the number six team from the South from previous year. I think that would make a lot of sense, uh, you know, because now we know that crossover game will count towards winning your division. So I think you want to help the better teams, you know, the Utahs or the USC's or whatever, and not have them have, go off to play in Oregon or something like that. So we'll see. Um, I don't. I, I think they kind of know the direction they want to go, but they weren't going to uh, announce anything. They weren't going to even hint at what those crossover games would be. But the fact that they're going to count. I think they have to take that into consideration. I'd rather not see – it's a great game. Utah and Oregon would be a great game. But I'd rather Utah get to play someone like Oregon State because they won the you know division last year. So that's just kind of my opinion. They might go for the thing where let's make the best matchups possible. But the good thing is at the end of the season when you're going to talk about the championship weekend, you will be able to play someone similar from the other division. So I think they're going to set it up where like the, you know, the championship games, the top teams from each division, but – Maybe the number two plays the number two, three, number three, things like that. So knowing that, I think the early crossover game would be better to sort of like take the bottom from one and top from the other and let them play each other. But it's a Pac-12, so, you know, anything, (laughs) who knows what they're going to do. How good is Keaton Slovis going to be? He's been so good uh, that freshman year. Just we haven't seen anything like that. And a lot of it's the system, just having a really competent offensive system that's quarterback friendly. I think JT Daniels would have looked that good as well. But for a true freshman to come in that was a three-star guy, that never really happens at USC. They're always the four- and five-star guys. 
at quarterback. It was a, you know, a breath of fresh air just to see this kid that we thought, oh, he should be fourth on the depth chart. Graham Harrell names him the, the backup quarterback, and we're kind of scratching our heads. And then you get to see him throw for over 400 yards four times. And, you know, in the final game against UCLA, he has four different receivers go for 100 yards. Like, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do. And he's made some mistakes, of course, and he's a true freshman. But I think there's a lot of expectations for him uh, going into the sophomore campaign. He's got great receivers. The offensive line is going to be a little bit of a, a patchwork thing, especially with Elijah Vera Tucker opting out. We don't know if he'll come back, but man, it's just they got running backs, they got wide receivers, they got some tight ends, and they really got a good gunslinger in Keaton Slovis. With colleges facing uh, pay cuts and uh, bonuses not getting paid out and furloughs and layoffs, some mix of that, it's different at every school, but pretty much everybody's got some combination of those things going on. Do you think coaches? will get more job security now. Coaches won't be fired for whatever happens in a 6-8 a, or 10-game season. And do you think that's true for coaches in general and Clay Helton specifically? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we thought that was going to be the case, but I think, what was it? Southern, I forget who it was. Like, yeah, we had one already, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was one already. So I think it's like unique circumstances, but for I think in general, uh, you know, is Kevin Sublin going to be fired if he has a bad season, a seven-game season? I mean, I don't. I mean, with the there's buyouts, there's a, a lot of financial stress on athletic departments. I mean, you really have to be almost an expiring kind of contract because there's a lot of expenses that go into buying out a coach besides the buyout and the assistance and then hiring someone new. Uh, I think for USC specifically, it sort of ties the athletic department's hands that even if their seven-game schedule, USC goes three and four and and fans are you know pitchforks going to heritage hall they're saying hey we need to make a change i don't know if they're financially going to be able to do that i feel like after 2021 it would be you know a normal more of a normal season there would be an opportunity to make a change for usc specifically i don't see anything happening on that front the fans aren't going to like to hear that but almost no matter what happens in 2020 especially because it's a weird season but yeah the, the all we've heard is just these athletic department budgets are going to be slashed uh, you know, they've furloughed so many people at the Pac-12, and we've seen it at different athletic departments, you know, Utah as well. Um, so I, I think it sort of ties some of these athletic directors' hands, unless it's a really special circumstance. Uh, you really have to know what you're doing. You can't just fire someone on a whim. Uh, it's going to have to be, you, you know exactly what you're doing, and you're, you have the money to be able to do it, because the, the funds are going to be hard to come by. Well, Ryan, we appreciate a few minutes. I shouldn't circle USC Stanford then? You don't think that happens? I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a likely one, and I think they would like to keep, um, you know, some continuity with what the schedule was before. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be perfect, but the USC Stanford one does make a lot of sense. I think like a USC Oregon wouldn't make as much sense, right, but right, who yeah. knows? You know, like you want the two favorites in each division to play each other. I think that's probably a bad idea, but it's the Pac-12. They might think that's a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, they'll probably that I would think they would that's the one game I think they'll try to engineer for the conference title game. It's the two biggest brand names and they were both supposed to be pretty good if not really good. So, I, that one would surprise me. That's why I thought they default to Utah Oregon. They're like, "Ah, Utah's rebuilding anyway. Make the make yeah, the opener, I, slap I, it on TV. It's promotable. ESPN and Fox are going to like it." Yeah, I mean that could make sense, but I would just as a Utah fan, I would be like, "Hey, we want oh, to yeah, yeah. Why do why do we got to play the champs?" <laughs> yeah, right. Year. It doesn't make much sense. Hey, as uh, Hemi, Hemi Washington State, they had players opt out. They got a new coach. <laughs> Any, and that's the thing. I think that's what we got to look at. Anything, any program that has coaching turnover, if it's Colorado or even like mm-hmm. USC where you replace your entire defensive staff, 
you haven't had any spring practice, it's going to be a lot harder to implement those systems. So that's going to be one thing we got to watch when you have like a Kyle Whittingham with, you know, most, you know, even though you lose a lot of players with the staff continuity, that could be a big bonus. Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for checking in again. Oh, anytime. Thanks, guys. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, the podcast of champions. And I know we got a few USC fans here in Utah. I see the, I see the license plates holders driving around town. Well, SC they're, fans, they're everywhere. They're going to be the favorites in the in the South, I think, though, right? Yes. We had Yogi Roth on yesterday. He he seemed pretty convinced that uh, they would be the favorites. And yeah, with Keaton Slovis, who who was was good last year. I mean, he was really good last year. I see him as three groups. I see USC is the top tier. They are the favorite, hands down. It's not close. I think that ASU and Utah are in that next tier. I think most people have picked Utah over ASU, but not everyone, but I still view them as a tier. And then I think there's a big break, and everybody looks at UCLA, Colorado, and Arizona and thinks, can you beat anybody except each other? Uh, and does, maybe does one Chip of, maybe Kelly make the Bruins better? Of the three, that would be the one, yeah. but they've been recruiting oddly and don't seem to have a lot of momentum, and it just doesn't look right. Yes. And maybe if one of them breaks out, I think UCLA is more likely to break out than Arizona or Colorado. Yes, I would agree with that. Interesting to see Chip Kelly. I've kind of wondered if and when he's going to turn that program around. And maybe he's not so good without Uncle Phil's money. But but they don't. I mean, UCLA as an athletic program is an absolute mess right now. So I always thought that him doing what he did at Oregon and rattling off these eleven and one and twelve and zero. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. But. Did I think he could get UCLA to eight and four? Yes, to be. I absolutely program. thought he could get to eight no. and four. Now, when you start getting to the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth win every season, well, let's hold off on that. You know, let let's see that UCLA hasn't done that in a long time. But he's but, been so bad. Under Armour canceled their deal. It was also an enormous deal, it, right? It, probably a mistake. Well, considering the shape unless that, they got to ten, eleven, or twelve, if they got to ten, eleven, or twelve, but since they hadn't been there, I mean, they won a conference title in twenty years now, right? And even I mean, you then, fans are like, "When are we going to win a conference title?" And UCLA, you know, hold my beer, right? <laughs> well, and then even go before that, I mean, that was kind of a flash in the pan that oh, last conference bit, yeah. title, yeah. right? UCLA, yeah, but it's you know a flash in the pan conference title. How many? It's so hard to win a conference title that if the standard is you got to win them back to back or three out of four or something. That's a lot to ask. Now, UCLA did that in the 80s, but now we're, now we're going way back. Now yeah, you're going back I mean, 30, 35 years. Troy, and, uh, Troy Aikman's not walk, walking and, through that door. And those were, that was their glory decade. You know, if you look at the 80s and you compare it to the 70s or the 90s or the 60s or the, the aughts, you know, it's like, you don't, you don't find a decade like that. Well, and guess what? USC was on probation for a big chunk of that. Hello? Right. <laughs> well, I, I and it was an 18 league. UCLA No, it was 10. It was 10. Take it back. It was 10. Because it was after Arizona. Arizona yeah, Arizona State. schools had joined. But yeah. that that would be the likely one to move up a tier to bring yes. this full circle. I, I would agree with you. Because Arizona, I mean, Kevin Sumlin. Boy, was that a disaster. I, uh, Colorado I, new coach. I mean, if you have an offense that is struggling and needs a confidence boost, you want to look up and see Arizona on your schedule. <laughs> Who's that columnist that always comes on with us and bag uh, Greg Hansen? Greg Hansen, yeah. Who always just bags on their defense. Yes, just, State it's terrible. Yeah. It's it's terrible. Is he it's, a Utah State guy? Yeah, he went to school with Kirk Cragthorpe. Did he yeah. really? Yes. Uh, and if you didn't see it, Craig, Greg Hansen just wrote a thing trashing the Pac-12 and Larry Scott. Larry Scott. Did yeah. he? Yes. And it was good as that there were specifics, as opposed to the general. Hey, you know. 
Larry blows. You know, anybody can write that. It's uh, it's like PK said, it's prey to people beating up on Larry now. So if you're going to do it, specifically what is wrong and what needs to be fixed. And he was specific. All right, DJ and PK and Josh Newman will talk about the Utes with the uh, beat writer from the Salt Lake Tribune coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, we've been talking college football. The Utes are back. The Aggies are back. Mountain West with a press conference at 11 a.m. Scotty G and Hans will be all over that. Eight-game schedule for the Mountain West starting October 24th and a six, well, eventually seven-game schedule. Six games, and then the conference title game will be the seventh, and there'll be all kinds of... Basically, consolation games, so the teams get to play seven games. And that's going to start the first uh, weekend in uh, November for, for the Pac-12. But we're going to hit pause on college football right now. we got about uh, two minutes here before we got to go to break, and then we're going to be back into college football with Josh, Josh Newman, the Utes writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. But first, Jake, Denver, in a wildly and entertaining and competitive game, got beat by the Lakers. Lakers are up 3-1. It's not happening again. The Lakers are going to close this out. I believe that. Do you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's it's madness the Clippers didn't close it out. I think it's crazy the Jazz didn't close it out. I picked the Jazz in Game 5. They were playing so well. And, gave, and when they were up by 15, you were thinking, I'm right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> Here comes another round. How are they going to match with the Clips? What's going to happen? But the Jazz, I, here's my point. The Jazz were pretty 50-50 with the Clips. Or, excuse me, with the with the big, Nuggets. Big picture. Not when they were up 3-1. Not when they were up 3-1. But, but the, big from, picture. From a talent right. standpoint, they you know, pretty well matched. The Clippers should have just smashed. Sh- the Clippers shouldn't have lost a game to Denver. And and the Lakers are better than Denver, too. And All the stuff, out. just all the, the little stuff matters over time. When you're under pressure. Yeah. All the little stuff matters. We heard during the year the Clipper players were upset with Kawhi because there were two sets of rules. He's always preserving his body. He's not playing back-to-back. It carries over to how practices go for him if he practices or if he practices partially or what right. he does during a practice. You know, There's all kinds of gray areas. But somehow he's just treated different, and that is a problem. And then Paul George is not a great playoff performer. We've got a lot of stuff on that, right? But then on top of that, you have the Clippers didn't really want to play when the NBA shut down for a couple of days there in the middle of the playoffs and it looked like the whole thing might end. There were, there were lots of opinions. There was lots of stuff going on. Some of it was NBA stuff. Some of it was bigger social justice stuff. But some was forward-looking uh, financially on the CBA and what this was going to mean for players. We heard there were veteran players saying, you can't walk on these young guys. They have not made their money. Somebody put in the time that enabled you to get your $200 million. Right. You need to put in your time so these guys get theirs. you got to pay it forward. Right. And, and it was there were a lot of takes. And it was all over the map. And eventually they all settled down and they stay. But do the Clippers really want to be there? No. Because there are players. This isn't people in the media taking cheap shots. There are players who are like, the Clippers are the ones that wanted out. 
Well, culture in the NBA really matters. I was talking to, to Gordon about this yesterday. Look at Miami. Look at the culture they've mm-hmm. created there, and it, it really makes a difference. But think of the Clippers culture last year where they were this plucky, overachieving bunch that played tough. Their team had given up on them by trading yes. their best player in the middle of the season. That but goes they, to the first point. Yes. You are spot on. Yes. And now Clyde gets start treatment. You're like, wait a minute. We were. We, we made money for you, Balmer. Yeah. We played for you, Doc. We did all the little stuff. What? And now this guy is back in the locker room taking a nap while we're busting our butt in practice. Yeah, I, I totally. So get there's it. stuff to iron out there. Well, and here's the thing with the with the media, and I know we got to go because we got to get to mm-hmm. to Josh. But usually after game, even tough losses, you don't hear ever teams point fingers and blast teammates or coaches You're or whatever. You're not supposed to. That goes, that's the code. You don't break the code. And yeah. after the Clippers lost at Game 7 to Denver, it was snipe here, snipe <laughs> there, know. snipe there, snipe there. And I was like, wow, right. it got and so, bad. So when, when the times are, are tough, you know, Denver's pulling together. I mean, they really do yeah. look like, you know, we, we always talk about our guys because it's our guys have this great chemistry. And the, okay, Take the shades off for a second. Look around the lake. I think Denver's got that too. Right. I, that, I, I you agree. look at the way they interact, and it looks like it. At least, well, and maybe the Lakers don't have that. I don't know one way or another. But they're not also stabbing themselves in the leg <laughs> as they're trying to play That's basketball. True. Well, and and let's not leave out talent in all of this. Right. And they have LeBron more. has got to pace himself. He can't carry a club in the superhuman way he did when he was in his late 20s, okay? He can't do that. It was phenomenal. He was on, in the, in the, uh, the end days in the first trip in Cleveland, he was on a team that had a phenomenally little talent and got them to the well, NBA Finals. Who final. was their second best player? Larry Hughes? Zadrunas um, Ilgaskis? Mo Williams? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, uh, not... this was, there was nothing about the rest of this roster that said, well, they had to be in the NBA right. Finals. There was nothing. The closest thing now would be, I think, Milwaukee with Lance Kempo. That's, Probably the best parallel, and yeah. it's not a perfect. But that, parallel. even that's not really close. It's not. It's yeah. not. It's not. But it's just the best. Yeah. It's not perfect, you know. Um, but LeBron for a game or a quarter can flip the switch, and flipping the switch is so hard to do. And I don't believe most people can do it. Nor do I believe most people should try because they can't do it. But he can. I totally trust him to flip the switch. And he's been doing it for a while. Yep. Yeah. So listen. We got to win 16 playoff games. We could have to play 28. I mean, they won't now. We've seen, you know, they got out of those first round series pretty quick. Um, well, so he may play 20 or 22 but, playoff games. And so he's pacing himself. But man, when it's on. Yeah. Well, to your it's point, on. I, and I, uh, LeBron bugs me, so I don't enjoy giving him yeah, credit. It's but two different I'll, things. I'll, uh, I'll give him big time credit. He has incentive to let Anthony Davis do his thing because he wants Anthony Davis to stay, and he's a free agent. So I, I kind of love LeBron's his, his strategy where he's like, okay, AD, go do your thing, man. I'll, I'll support you, I'll feed you. Yeah. And if you've got it going, then you're we'll the star. Yeah, but well, if you don't have it going or you need a little assistance in, in the clutch time, I'm right here for you. Or somebody's got to come over here and block uh, block Murray's shot. What a block that was. And, and give, Although Murray got him late in the first half. Yeah. That up and under, spinning, falling down. Amazing. <laughs> oh, Amazing. But, but give LeBron credit. He's That's the way he has to to play to win with this team because it's really a two-man team. I mean, I know there's a lot of Kuzma fans around here and stuff like that, but it's really a two-man team. And so that's kind of how get it's got to go. Get something out of those guys. They had six guys in double figures yeah. in game four. Right. 
And Rondo is the complete yeah. opposite of Paul George, where he's just terrible at all times until you get in the playoffs. He, it's like, where was this guy? They they never run to him on the three-point line, but they didn't even run to him in the fourth quarter on a 15-footer. And he made it, but he turned and ran back down court. I thought there was a lot of like, whoo, okay, that went in. <laughs> we didn't, that was big. And that was late. I mean, that was yeah. like three or four minutes left. That was a big shot. Yeah, I don't know if it pushed three to five or five to seven or but something. But in that but game. It, it mattered. Yeah. That shot mattered. Right. But he switched it. So. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, Josh Newman's coming up. You try it for the Salt Lake Tribune. Stay with us.